Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz, and we're talking this week about the Arkansas game from last weekend, and we're going to preview the Louisiana at Georgia Southern football game this Saturday at 6 p.m. at uh, um, Paulson Stadium in Statesboro. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and our guest today, he, you might remember him from last season, Tim Buckley, who covers a UL for the Daily Advertiser in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Okay, well, I'm gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about Arkansas. Uh, for uh, here we are on the uh, Georgia next year. We talk about football, and maybe we should just keep it brief. Uh, Arkansas was ranked number 20 in the country at the time. They were at home in Fayetteville. Uh, they were hot coming off of a, a big win over the Texas Longhorns, who were ranked 15th at the time. Everything was uh, looking like uh, Arkansas was going to have a dominant afternoon. Uh, Georgia Southern was coming in at one and one, coming off a a, a poor outing at Florida Atlantic, uh, 38 to six, which was, uh, I don't know how many people saw that coming, but uh, uh, they were not looking good. And uh, what we thought might happen happened where Georgia Southern tried to hang in there, but Arkansas was too fast, too strong, too talented at every position. Uh, just had a great day for the Razorbacks and uh, a pretty poor day for the, uh, the Eagles. Uh, they also had uh, some players banged up, but uh, Chad Lunsford reported on Monday that uh, Amari Jones, who was a transfer from Tulane, who came into uh, Statesboro this spring as a runner, a receiver, and a kick and punt returner, and has been pressed into action as a quarterback, uh, that he got banged up, but he should be able to play. They said x-rays were negative, um, and uh, he should be able to play. Also, running back J.D. King, who has not played this season, uh, he got a torn ACL last season, his seventh game. Uh, he was leading the team in rushing at the time. Uh, was uh, uh, He tore his ACL, has not played since, and they've been cautiously bringing him back. They did not play him against Arkansas. Uh, two players aren't going to make the difference, though, but it could only help. Um, and then Justin Tomlin came back from a two-game suspension for academic reasons. He did not play in the first two games. In his stead, Amari Jones and true freshman Cam Ransom played. Uh, they had their moments. They beat Gardner-Webb 30-25 to with those two playing quarterback in their first time ever playing quarterback in a college game. But that was kind of an indicator that things weren't going, uh, there wasn't a lot going right for Savannah, uh, it for Georgia Southern, because they struggled at times against Gardner-Webb, struggled mightily against Florida Atlantic, and then struggled even more, kind of a regression, if you will, uh, from wins to losses uh, against Arkansas. So here we are coming into the Sunbelt Conference opener against Louisiana. It's also the opener for the Raging Cajuns. And their season has been not exactly as drawn up, but uh, they're still two and one. Uh, we'll bring back Tim Buckley. Tim, uh, first off, uh, how long have you been covering UL? Oh, gosh, 11th season, believe it or not. Okay, okay. And does this season so far, does it compare? Do you have a feeling and maybe a gut feeling of how good this team is based on the first three weeks? It was a little, um, uh, you know, you lose to you. Uh, the, the Raging Cages lost to Texas at Texas. They they kind of had to fight against uh, Nickel State. And then 
I watched the game. They just dominated Ohio um, more or less. When, when, when they were clicking, the Raging Cajuns looked really good in that Thursday night game. Uh, they did have some downtime uh, moments, some, some lulls. But what's your assessment so far of how the teams looked? Well, honestly, they are not living up to expectations, mm-hmm. which were really high coming off of last season when, you know, the only loss that they had was to uh, Coastal Carolina at home in a 10-1 and season. And uh, there was talk in the preseason, um, both outside and, frankly, inside the program, um, uh, nationally about the possibility of, of them upsetting Texas, not being unrealistic at all, and uh, even a little bit of talk, in, including internally, about the possibility of them running the table. Um, but they did not look like uh, the team they looked like last season when they opened at Texas, um, despite the fact that they essentially had um, all but one starter returning on offense and, and all but one starter uh, returning on on defense. Um, and honestly, they didn't really uh, look at their sharpest against Nichols, um, which was, you know, non-conference game, FCS program out of the Southland. And uh, they had a super quarterback, Nichols, by the name of Lindsey Scott Jr. Mm-hmm. SEC fans might know a little bit about him. He uh, sure. uh, redshirted at LSU. He ended up at uh, Missouri where he um, – never actually played and then then bounced down came back home to Louisiana and ended up at, at Nichols and he was a good one he uh he he showed quite a bit of mobility dual threat but um really used the legs to kind of confound the the Cajun defense and so it wasn't really until that Ohio game that they got rolling and looked like what what everybody thought they were going to be mhm and uh, so do you see everything kind of progressing? Uh, they're, they're in a good place right now. Uh, they had some extra days to kind of get ready for this week. Well, they are. They they had some clean things that obviously that they had to clean up, as, you know, any coach will tell you any day of the week. But um, one of the biggest issues that they had was uh, – uh, on the offensive line, run blocking in particular in those first two games, and they were to have had their entire starting offensive line returning intact, but the starting left tackle, Carlos Rubio, mm-hmm. had a preseason injury. He was out. They end up uh, moving somebody who had never started a game before, didn't play at all last season, uh, A.J. Gilly, in its starting left guard. That pushed uh, their their seventh-year senior in that crazy their seventh-year yeah. senior uh, Ken Marks out to left tackle, and I think that contributed to some of the issues. But Carlos Rubio was back for that Nichols game, and it showed as they rolled up uh, 304 yards rushing mm-hmm. against Ohio. Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I think they were calling it on the ESPN broadcast, and I'm sure you've heard this before, uh, kind of a three-headed monster at running back, but I'm going to call it a six-legged monster because – they have a lot of guys that really they keep those legs churning. Tell us about the running backs. Um, Montreal Johnson got everybody's attention with uh, his uh, Offensive Player of the Week in the Sun Belt. Four touchdowns. Uh, very impressive and a true freshman out of New Orleans. And then uh, people remember Chris Smith and uh, the other running back whose name escaped. Was it Bailey? Amani Bailey. Yeah. So they, they each had a lot to offer. Tell me about those running backs. 
Well, you know, that that group has a lot to live up to, and it's really mm-hmm. almost become kind of a four-headed monster of sorts because the quarterback, Levi Lewis, is using yeah. his legs uh, a little bit more than he has in the past, and he was one of four that had 60-plus yards rushing against against Ohio. But, you know, the predecessors for that group two years ago were Elijah Mitchell, who made his NFL debut mm-hmm. with the 49ers this season with, a, I think it was a 104-yard rushing game. Mm-hmm. Trey Regis on the practice squad of the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, Raymond Calais, uh, who... Uh, spent last season with the Los Angeles Rams primarily as a kick returner, ended up getting injured in the preseason this year and, and uh, dropped off the roster. Um, but, you know, three NFL roster-type running backs. Um, and then, you know, they, they lost Calais. So Chris Smith kind of moved into that number three spot last year. And now with Regis and Mitchell gone, he's in the number one spot. But you're right, it was Montreal Johnson Jr. that really kind of made a splash four touchdowns. He's a freshman out of New Orleans, De La Salle, um, played in two state championship games against one of the Lafayette high schools, St. Thomas Moore. So the folks around here already knew a little bit about him, but boy, did he really introduce himself in that Ohio game. Yeah. I mean, he, he very solidly built from uh, looking at it from afar on TV. The guy has uh, speed. He seems to have great instincts around the goal line, especially uh, that touchdown, was it a touchdown? Wasn't it a touchdown on fourth down? Um, I don't know in real time what you were you were seeing, but um, it definitely needed about 20 or more looks before they could determine whether he kind of swung his arm and broke the plane. But uh, re- very smart in, in real time to be able to do that kind of stuff. He's a very dangerous runner. And like you said, he's not the only one. Um, uh, I do want to bring up uh, Mitchell again because he didn't play against Savannah, uh, against, I keep saying Savannah, Sorry, he didn't play against Georgia Southern last season. Uh, he was out. Was it uh, an injury last time, or was it yeah, COVID-related protocol type thing? Uh, yeah, I think I there was like seven. One or the other. Seven starters or so were missing. Maybe it was more than that uh, for Louisiana against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, like everybody else, was also dealing with protocols and injuries, and uh, COVID-related issues. But uh, that was a, a heck of a game last year, and, and I know uh, it maybe uh, it won't be as fun for Georgia Southern to remember. But that was a real battle that went down to the end. I think Louisiana being at home uh, was a clear favorite, but uh, like I said, they were down Mitchell. They did have Levi Lewis, and he was great. Uh, Trey Regis, especially at the end, made some big plays. Uh, and then the kicker, who's still on the team, Nate Snyder, made a 53-yard field goal. I guess his time expired, or close to it. Uh, um, it was just kind of a, a unpredictable kind of game. Uh, George Southern had some late game heroics to, to take the lead right near the end, but left enough time for Louisiana to make one final charge. Does, does that that game where it seemed like George Southern played up to the competition, uh, not saying Louisiana played down, but George Southern basically rose to the occasion, and I think Louisiana was ranked at that time as well. Um, do, you th- do you see maybe George Southern cl- flipping a switch and maybe – being able to rise to the occasion because Louisiana is, I think, a two-touchdown favorite for this game. Yeah, well, I have no idea what Georgia Southern can or cannot do, but I know that last season, that game, it really kind of set the tone kind of for the rest of the season. Now, granted, they did have a, the Coastal Carolina loss, but it, it mm-hmm. very much typified the season because 
they came back and they won a lot of close games um, mm-hmm. throughout the season. Like I said, they ended up 10-1, and one, and if they had lost that one, it would have been a heartbreaker. Certainly unexpected it would have been as well, and the whole season could have gone sour if uh, if uh, Nate Snyder hadn't nailed it. As time expired, from 53 yards, the same night Nate Snyder, I might add, who went on after hitting that to losing his starting kicking job (laughs) because of inconsistency issues. He's now their uh, kickoff guy. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, so he is back, but it's Kenneth Almendares handling the uh, PATs in in field goals right now. It's it's almost like, if I may be making this more of a Hollywood story, but it was almost like that day was his day to kind of shine. He made a deal with the devil kind of thing, and I don't know if he was one in seven or one in six going into that kick or into that game, but he definitely was very uh, unreliable, but he came up big, uh, given that. And um, uh, Georgia Southern was uh, kind of saying that was a game that we could have won. That was a, a game that we played well enough to win. Maybe that, you know, we didn't win, but that, that showed us something about ourselves that we can, uh, you know, we can, when we when we got things going, we can play with anybody Louisiana, very good team, obviously missing some of their key players, but um, uh, they did. They went on, as, as you mentioned, Louisiana had a 10-1 season. Uh, Georgia Southern went on to an 8-5 season, won a lot of close games, lost a couple, a few close games. There's only one or two games, uh, a big win over UMass and a loss. Uh, uh, Appalachian, State got away from, Appalachian State got away from them a little bit at the end. Of it. Uh, they were in every game going into the fourth quarter. Um, the, uh, this season, as we've talked about earlier, um, not not so great. Uh, we're going to take a break, but we're going to think about that. We'll talk more about Georgia Southern and Louisiana this Saturday, 6 p.m. at Paulson Stadium. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be back with my guest, Tim Buckley, but I'm gonna, we're going to take a break to talk about the best source for local news in Savannah. That's the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. If you want to know the latest on Georgia Southern football, like we're talking about now, or which high school football teams are hot and which ones are not, or in the Coastal Empire, or how about uh, how the Savannah State Tigers are doing. They're two and one, a big win over Benedict College last Saturday, a very dramatic uh, come from ahead game, if you will. Um, So Savannah State Tigers are doing well, um, and we have that and a lot more, including news, features, and opinion columns. If you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You can get a full access to our digital content for, um, I believe the special right now is $1 for six months. That's hard to beat. $1 for six months. See if that's still the current special. Maybe $1 a month, but uh, either way, that's a very good deal. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribers and sign up. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribers and give us a shot. Sign up and get all the new sports opinion and features. And now let's get back to Tim, who's been waiting patiently to talk more about the game. Hey, Tim, welcome back. Thanks, Nathan. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I wanted to mention you did so well on the show last year that we're doubling your pay uh, for your appearance fee. Um, I believe the math is two times zero. So, well, uh, at least it's not at least it's not a pay cut. <laughs> well, don't spend it all at lunch. Uh, how about that? Um, anyway, well, that's good. We I'm glad we're welcome back. You're, you're a great source for talk about Louisiana and um, the Georgia Southern uh, is is coming into this thinking. Okay, fresh start to the season. Let's get to 1-0. The first three games were non-conference games. Uh, our big struggles have been in areas which uh, the teams have been able to take advantage. And I believe Louisiana is looking at the same thing the rest of us are, which uh, 
and one spot is the defensive secondary. The uh, Georgia Southern uh, lost standout All-American candidate Derek Canteen in the Florida Atlantic game early in that game to a torn pectoral muscle, and he's out for the season. Uh, he had six interceptions last year. Uh, turnovers are a, a game-changing event, uh, and that's something that Georgia Southern has been very good at. I think in the past five years, they're one of the leaders in FBS in turnover plus turnover ratio. They're one of the best teams, and that's translated to victories or, or at least keeping them in, in a lot of games. They're not getting the turnovers this this season, uh, and their defensive secondary, they've had to shuffle some players around. Uh, it, w- when the starting f- four looked like a, a really strong starting four with a lot of inexperience as far as depth, uh, how does the Louisiana passing game, we talked about the running backs earlier, how does the Louisiana passing game shape up right now? Well, um, they that's probably their their deepest room. They got a boatload of receivers. I think they opened camp with like 16 of them. Wow. Um, last season, uh, primarily because of injuries, a little bit the, the illness stuff, but primarily because of injuries, they relied heavily on three guys who were who were true freshmen, and arguably at least two, maybe all three of them were not really ready. Um, they were somewhat productive, but just not sharp, not, not, you know, not accustomed to the college game, the speed of it, um, not playing with the the precision. I think that some of the coaches would have wanted, but, but they got some valuable experience. All three of them are back now, including Kyron Lacey, who's a, a really good one out of, out of Thibodeau. Um, and, uh, uh, one of them's been hurt for a couple games, Earl, Earl Rogers, uh, uh, junior, but he might be back on uh, on Saturday. He dressed out against Ohio, and uh, but on top of that, they they got back guys, two of whom were going to be their primary guys, uh, uh, Jalen Williams and and Peter LeBlanc, whose numbers weren't mm-hmm. great last season because they were bouncing in and out of the lineup, you know, all year. Mm-hmm. Those two are back and and fully healthy. Uh, and LeBlanc, LeBlanc, LeBlanc is very fast, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a speed guy. They can go over the top with him. He had uh, uh, the long catch early in the in the Ohio game. Um, did the same thing in the Iowa State game when they when they upset Iowa State to open last season. A um, little bit inconsistent, has had some drops. But, but those two are back. And then on top of everything else, they add to the mix both John Stevens Jr., who's a transfer from TCU, played a, a little bit guy. there. He's like 6'5". Yeah, yeah, and, and you know they can they can high point it with him. He'll go up and get it. And the same thing with uh, with Michael Jefferson, who's kind of another you know kind of spread out the defense. He'll he'll go deep and uh, uh, they'll take some shots with him. Transfer from Alabama State, where he was just a star there, and uh, much to the disappointment, I imagine, of the Alabama State people, he decided right. to jump into the portal. He ends up here. Um, and, and both those guys have had some touchdown catches this season um, and have quickly kind of folded into being part of the, the, the regular rotation there for, for Levi Lewis. And uh, um, I think adding the experience of those two helped not just the depth, but also maybe the, the development of those younger guys like Lacey and Rogers and Dante Fleming. They, uh, Levi Lewis really spreads the ball around too, doesn't he? I mean, everybody gets the target, everybody gets some touches. Uh, and then he also has he been he's been pretty good about spreading it around. Yeah, he has, but it's more frankly the system that spreads it around. It's it's mm-hmm. the Billy Napier you know 
system and play calling rhythm and just how the the offense is is designed. And yes, Levi Lewis is certainly the one facilitating it, and he's a he's a good one. There's some people that think he'll be in NFL camps uh, uh, next season, but um, um, it, it's not so much as Levi making a conscious decision of hey, I'm going to get you know this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and that guy too involved. It's just more what's what's there, what his checkdowns are, what uh, what the matchups are, what the flow of the game is, and and what Napier's seeing as much as anything. I, I do want to talk to you as someone very much in the know about Billy Napier. Um, he's he's uh, but I want to I don't want to forget about the defense. Is uh, Louisiana defense like the offense? Do they have any sixth and seventh year seniors? I don't think there are too many seventh year seniors out there, but do they have well, a lot of experience? <laughs> They do have a seventh-year senior, uh, <laughs> and he's somebody who they've missed the last two games. Uh, sprained his ankle in the game at Texas for our Gardner starting uh, uh, yeah. Will inside linebacker, um, and he's a good one. Uh, he's somebody who began his career at uh, Missouri as a walk-on and floated his way down here, and uh, um, he he was a big part of that defense last year. Like I said, they have missed him the last two um, they haven't uh, come out with their injury list update yet, but it seemed like all indications were good that uh, uh, he is a possibility for coming back for the Sunbelt opener. And if they get him back, that'll be a big help. They've had uh, Jordan Quibido and Chris Moncrief kind of pick up some extra reps with him being out. And Lorenzo McCaskill is another one of the tackling leaders. Their, their Mike linebacker, uh, has done a solid job, but uh, yes, for our Gardner, another uh, and the second seventh year senior for the Cajuns. So people really like to either transfer to Louisiana or stay in Louisiana. I know the food is good, but they also the program is really good. Um, uh, Coach Billy, that's maybe a good transition. Coach Billy Napier's name was uh, mentioned, as you know, mentioned when there's a anytime there's an SEC opening. You know, with this is his footprint is in the South. East. Uh, he was a quarterback at Furman, if I remember correctly, who played against Georgia Southern. Uh, he's he's uh, been on staffs with what Nick, Nick Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney. Um, he he he's he's got a very commanding presence from what I've seen. He looks like a, a college football coach. He's got the look, and he's got the demeanor. And he also will say something memorable, like didn't he say, "Scared money don't make money." Wasn't that him? At he the did end of, say that. He did and say now that. Which... And now they're printing up T-shirts, right? Well, yeah, I guess that, that blew us away that he said that because he never gives us anything decent on our weekly media call. <laughs> the uh, equippy one-liners uh, a la that. So, uh, well, then he wouldn't be a, a, a football coach if he if he didn't be a little show restraint most of the time. Yeah, and and then also play to the camera, of course. <laughs> I see. So translate for us that the context was uh, that, that was at the end of the first half. Uh, they they nearly got into the end zone. I, Levi Lewis. Uh, they 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 had a few seconds left, and they they went, did a running play. Didn't make it. A nice play by the Ohio defense to stop him. So the obvious play with with three seconds left was to kick a field goal. You're already up what 14 to seven, I think it was. Kick the field goal. Going at halftime, you get the ball back at the second to, for the second half kickoff. And then, but instead he goes for it with uh, Montreal Johnson, who we talked about earlier. And he kind of spin. I don't know, it wasn't a full spin, but he kind of efforted his way to get an arm in, even though his body, his full body was outside the end zone, a uh, full body except for his arm, I guess. But when he was tackled, 
everything, the ball, everything was before the goal line, but he broke the plane. And they asked uh, coach Billy Napier uh, uh, what he, what was the thinking about that, what, about going for it. And he said, scared money don't make money, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that kind of fits the theme for the way he's coached, even more so this season than in, in prior ones. They've gone for it on fourth down uh, a bunch, and they're they're willing to do that. And 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 even in the circumstance that you just described, they were they were willing to do it rather than than take the uh, take the safe money. And um, yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's it's reflective. That one play was reflective of the way that he's been coaching throughout this season. They went for it early one time at Texas too, got stopped and. Um, People kind of questioned how early it was, but it made sense because uh, his defense was just dog tired at that point in the third quarter at, at Texas, and he was trying to make something happen. But yeah, Billy Billy Napier, he's not afraid. You know, he's not a. I don't know if I'd go so far as to call him the showboat gambler type that mm-hmm. that uh, maybe Mark Hudspeth tried to paint himself as early in his uh, uh, coaching regime at uh, with the Cajuns, but. But uh, Billy Napier is not afraid by any stretch of the imagination. And he's also not unafraid to do the unconventional things, which in this case is sticking with, you know, a group of five Sunbelt Conference program like like the Cajuns. Like you said, he's had opportunities. Um, The two most legitimate ones were Mm -hmm. Mississippi State two seasons ago and and South Carolina. Uh, this past season by all accounts and you know you always got to read between the lines and you know you get it from all sides and all that but by all accounts he he turned down both of those uh, his name was was in the mix at Auburn as well and you know how mm-hmm. far along that one really got or did not get depends on who you listen to and then more importantly who you believe but but certainly the Mississippi State and, and South Carolina jobs but he chose to stay here in part because he knew they were loaded coming back, uh, in part because he likes the, the the commitment that he's gotten from the administration here and the, the buy-in from not just the athletic director, Brian Maggard, but also from the university president, uh, uh, Joseph Savoy. Um, uh, it, it certainly didn't hurt that they, they doubled his salary. I was going to say, there must be some money that uh – to uh, to keep him interested. Yeah, that that was the sweetener, and then probably the most important thing for all coaching career decisions that are made. Uh, his wife apparently likes it here, so. Yeah, yeah, he's. I think he said, uh, uh, or they uh, they paraphrased him on the, the ESPN broadcast that he he said we're building something here. He wants to keep building what they have, and they have what two consecutive ten win seasons. Um, I don't. I don't know if Louisiana could could match SEC money. I mean, I'm not talking about Nick Saban money, but just I don't know whatever Shane Beamer or Brian Harson or um, is it Mike, um, Coach of Mississippi State, Mike. Uh, his name escapes me. Yeah, Mike Leach. Thank you. Um, they they're all at different points in their careers. Uh, I but uh, yeah, it's, I'm sure it was an interesting uh, discussion and a, and a tough decision, but. Um, if they could make it worth as well, uh, SEC openings, if that's what he's interested in, are going to come open. Uh, those coaching positions come open every year. Some, somebody does, maybe uh, every couple of years. Um, but 
I'm sure he was very interested at one one time, and now he can focus on everything going on in Lafayette. And he's got a very good team. Uh, Levi Lewis, I do want to revisit with him. Did he was he considering um, either going pro or transferring, or was it? Did he always have the mindset that he needs another year uh, as an all all Sun Belt conference candidate at quarterback? That he needed one more year. Uh, or just like you said, he liked it there and he saw a, a real potential this season because they didn't get to play for the conference championship last year, unfortunately, for all, all concerned. Uh, did, did, what, was th- what do you know about what his thinking was for coming back for an extra year? Yeah, he, he actually came out early. He came out during the season and said that he would be, would be coming back um, and made that abundantly clear and then went about doing as much recruiting as, as he could to <laughs> get certain guys to um, to stay. He won some of those recruiting battles. He kind of lost, which everybody knew he would, the recruiting battles with Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis because both those guys have been here for a while and had family obligations. So uh, they were they were, they were were going pro anyway. But he got Ken Marks to come back. He got uh, Farrar Gardner to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, um, that was a big part of it. But it's funny because you, you mentioned that. I remember distinctly uh, uh, when Mark Hudspeth took the red shirt off of Levi Lewis with four games to go in his freshman season. As Hudspeth was kind of looking to save his job, and uh, um, it, it just shocked everybody because at that time, you know, burning the red shirt actually meant something. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he, uh, Levi Lewis uh, made his debut at. at uh, South Alabama in the the old stadium uh, there, and I remember talking to him uh, uh, beneath the stands at Lad Peoples, and uh, uh-huh. after his after his first game, he, his debut, and he came out and he said, uh, he says, well, I didn't mind you know taking the red shirt off at all. He says, because I'm only going to be here four years. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he's back here for his fifth now. <laughs> yeah, and as as many in Statesboro probably are, have muttered, hey, isn't it about that time that guy graduated and got out of there? Because we're, yeah. we're sick of seeing him. But he's not uh, a seventh-year senior. So. <laughs> well, they can have a special club with their own jackets and, and logos or monograms or something. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure opponents of Georgia Southern were glad to see Shai Wirtz go. His counterpart, a quarterback who was a four-year starter who um, – transferred to Louisville to work on his game as a wide receiver and improve and, and hopefully improve his chances of playing in the NFL because Shai Wirtz was not a, a prototype um, quarterback for the NFL, for the NFL is looking for. Not that there haven't been uh, variations on that prototype, but he just, uh, wide receiver, getting him out in open field with that speed and elusiveness might have been maybe his best best chance to, to be a professional football player. Um, Tim, you've been a, a special guest for uh, today. I, I want to wrap up the show by asking you if you want to assess kind of how you see the the Sun Belt playing out this year um, with this context. Last year, before the conference game, before any games were played, I should say, Coastal Carolina was not expected to do that well. They maybe were picked to finish last in their division in the conference. They ended up going undefeated during the regular season, didn't play the conference championship game because they had COVID protocol issues ended up losing in the bowl game, but they already made, they were a darling uh, nationally uh, beating BYU in a, in a hastily scheduled game. Uh, just one more brownie points for them. Uh, just a magical season for Coastal Carolina that we didn't see coming. I'll speak for myself. I didn't see coming, but Jamie Chadwell had that team primed and, and they had a special season 
Louisiana was very good, as we've talked about. Our Appalachian State was was very good uh, most every week. What do you see? Do you see anything like that happening this this season? Is there any special team, uh, or do you see it kind of lining up as people have predicted for this season? Well, perhaps as predicted. What I will say is this: you know, with all due respect to to App State and any of the other top Sun Belt teams, it'll be a shame if if the Cajuns and Coastal Carolina don't get to meet in the championship game that they didn't get to play last season, you know, obviously a few of the characters are different, but the, right. the, the core is there for, for both of them. And while I'm not in a big believer in, in manipulating things or like changing schedules to suit one uh, great storyline or anything like that, it is also an absolute shame that, that, Coastal Carolina and the Cajuns do not meet in the regular season mm. this year. So uh, I think it would be, again, you know, it would be tough for App State or, or whomever else, but uh, perhaps appropriate if uh, Coastal and the Cajuns were to go at it uh, in December. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I thank you so much for being back on the show. Uh, and anytime you want to come back, uh, I'll see what I can do about that salary issue. But Maybe get, get maybe you need a better agent. Uh, so, uh, thanks very much, Tim, for being on the show. You, you uh, such a, a wealth of knowledge and experience covering the team. You had uh, so many great things to say. Thanks very much for taking time out away from the beat to be on the Georgia Southern Extra podcast. And uh, we'll see what happens Saturday. Thanks very much, Tim. You got it, Nathan. Maybe I'll hire two agents to uh, <laughs> put me in a corner. That's it. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, thank you. And and to our listeners, thanks very much for joining us this week on Georgia Southern Extra. Uh, we'll be Next week, we'll be talking about how things went with Louisiana and looking ahead to the Arkansas State game. Thanks very much and have a great day and uh, see you Saturday. Uh, Tim, um, it looked like it record, it's been recording the whole time, but the transcription started and then stopped. And then I clicked a, I went and clicked a button and it, and it restarted again and it looks great. But I I don't know if there was a portion of the show when we were talking about the running backs. Let me just go back in the script and see if I, if it, I don't know what, I didn't touch anything. It just kind of stopped. No worries. Okay. So I think it, yeah, from, for about four minutes, um, I, what I'm going to do is I'll let you go and I'm just going to record the beginning of the show again and talk about the Arkansas game. And then uh, we can hopefully edit it together if, if necessary, hopefully it all recorded from beginning to end. But thanks very much, Tim. I think all all your stuff worked out great. Awesome. All right. Take it easy now. See you. See you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way.